0: I'm Visha's wife, and remember, when you name a dog Janet or Timothy, you are dragging humanity down just a little bit.
1: Matt Sweeney is a gifted guitarist, producer, and songwriter based in New York City. Originally from New Jersey, Sweeney first came to prominence in the 1980s band Skunk, and then later as a member of the inventive rock band Chavez, whose 1995 album Gone Glimmering was recently given the 25th anniversary reissue treatment by Matador Records. In the years and decades after Chavez stopped working together on a regular basis, Sweeney wound up playing live with Guided by Voices, Swan, and Iggy Pop, and was called upon to lay guitar down on records by Johnny Cash, Cat Power, Adele, the Dixie Chicks, Neil Diamond, Run the Jewels, Andrew WK, and Stephen Malcolmus, among many others. He has also produced records for the likes of Dave Grohl, Baby D, Turbo Negro, and Sung Blues. And he also hosted the entertaining web TV series Guitar Moves, which found him interviewing and jamming with people like Keith Richards, Dean Ween, James Williamson, and St. Vincent, to name just a few. If all of that wasn't enough, Sweeney has a a long and fruitful collaborative history with Will Oldham, as the two good friends have been making music together for more than two decades, including their acclaimed 2005 album, Superwolf, and again recently for a spate of singles released by Drag City Records. Matt and I recently connected for a wide-ranging chat about many of the aforementioned things and people, what The Sopranos might tell us about his own upbringing in New Jersey, America's anti-hero worship issues, the connection between the monkeys Neil Young and Jimi Hendrix, why we should reassess the band sha his relationships with LP and Will Oldham, future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network, with the support of listeners like you, Who follow and subscribe to this podcast, and spread the word about it, and make flexible monthly donations at Patreon.com/slash Creative Control, and Massey Hall's concert film series live at MasseyHall.com, where you can stream dozens of thirty-minute films for free, including performances by past podcast guests like AC Newman of the New Pornographers, plus in-kind support from Pizza Tracadero, the Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 591st episode of Creative Control featuring the lovely and talented Matt Sweeney with your host me Vish Those
2: expensive things. And I in anger, and wish I could remember her name.
1: Hi, Matt. How's it going? Hi, Vish. Uh, you know, uh,
3: I don't know.
1: How's it going with you? Uh, the same. It's, uh, you know, we're a uh, happy new year, if I might say. Why don't we start with that?
3: Uh, well, is it? Um,
1: where are you? <laughs> no, I'm in Alberta, Canada.
3: Now, I, 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 I'd love to know where that, I'd love to know where a happy new year is. So, where are
1: you at? I am calling you uh, from uh, Edmonton, Alberta. It is, uh, as we're speaking, it is not quite, It's it's December 31st. Uh, but by the time people hear this, it will be twenty twenty one. So I thought I would start with uh, a nice Happy New Year greeting. Uh, but no, we are you and I, I think are in the same year still. We are still in twenty twenty, unless where are you? We
3: are well, well, well. Now I can understand why, since you're calling from Canada, why it is a happier New Year than it is in America. <laughs> um, so happy, So I I I, 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 I wish you a Happy New Year, and I, and. Uh, And I don't want to put the pressure on you to have to wish us a happy new year because that would be like wishing somebody a happy death.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it is a little bleak. Absolutely. First of all, where where in the world are you today, Matt? I'm in New York City on St. Mark's Place. Nice. And, And that's where you live, I assume. I can't keep track of your comings and goings. You're always moving around and working with people. Are you in New York generally?
3: I'm generally in New York. Yes.
1: Yes. And how long have you been there?
3: Uh, so oh God, I was born here, and then I uh, grew up in New Jersey, and dicked around in New York, and I—I I don't know, forever.
4: Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You like
3: uh, you know, for, I, I since the since nineteen ninety or some shit. Okay, like I, I okay. I've been living in New York or, or living in or around New York, or basically thinking of New York as home.
1: So you consider yourself a New Yorker more than uh, someone from New Jersey, a New Jerseyite, I su- I suppose.
3: I, I don't know. You tell me, I, I, I've been here since 1990 and, but I'll tell people that I'm from New Jersey. Cause when they say, where am I from? I, I was just raised to say where I was from. Yeah. For some reason I talk about my childhood. So my childhood was, was in the, it was in Jersey. But, and then since, uh, and then I, then I left home when I was like 17. So
1: yeah. I drove but then,
3: uh, but then actually no. And, and then, and then I did the usual post college fuck around and, crashed back in my dad's house for like a year at mm. some point when I was 19 or 20. But then I started crashing in New York. Oh. So whatever. I, 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 in fact, enjoy people thinking that I'm from New Jersey because I don't have to talk to you about New York. And I like enjoy people thinking I'm from New York, so I don't have to talk to about New Jersey.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's some yeah. re- regional friction between Jersey and New York on some level, isn't there? Or is that a myth?
3: I, th- I, th- I think it's perceived as such by outsiders. It's actually uh, pretty... That I, that's actually a myth. Um, uh, although you know, it's as much of a myth as a city versus a, 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 a suburb myth. Or you know what I mean? It's like everybody from in New York City generally, if they're not from New York City, they seem to be or. or I don't know, there's a huge New Jersey contingent in New York City, and there always fucking has been. Yeah. And generally, when you look at iconic New Yorkers, half of them are from New Jersey, so it's kind of like it's not as much of a thing. I wish I wish there actually was more sort of uh, regional friction. It would be fun. It would be interesting.
1: <laughs> well, but often, not. I, you often hear that people from uh, who work in New York City live in places like Connecticut, but now that I think of it, people also tend to commute in From New Jersey. I mean, it's just people don't want to live right in New York City. You live right in New York City. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, you're not commuting. You're not, you're not, you're not. So, I mean, on some level, New Jersey, Connecticut could be viewed like little suburbs, little outskirts of New York City for some people. But you don't. Is that right. Well, yeah. Yeah. well,
3: Well, well, well. Because beach, they are, that's it. Suburbs were invented. <laughs> uh, they were called suburbs and they were in New Jersey and Connecticut for, 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 in order for people to work in New York. So guess what? You'd be right. That's um, right. But they, they call them bridge and tunnel people, but there's every city has a version of bridge and tunnel people. Yes. I
1: imagine. That's what I'm kind of so, getting at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm I'm actually, as we're speaking, I have reimmersed myself in the world of the Sopranos, I started rewatching mm-hmm. the Sopranos. So I have a lot of, jersey new york on my mind so maybe that's why that's
3: exactly I, i'm from Chinese my dad taught at seton hall university the school that the character of tony soprano went to you know when he talks about seton hall that's my dad's school like i am from that region that the sopranos region
1: i see i went to high
3: school with a lot of kids who were like the young Soprano, like, like anthony soprano
1: when you say like anthony uh, you know aj do you mean Really like sons
3: son, son, sons sons of gangsters. Yes. Really
1: like are they, they? So this was all. This is all based on some. We were talking about myths earlier, but earlier, but you. This was common knowledge in your school that certain kids yeah, probably don't want to mess with them. I mean, yeah,
3: it's you know, it's 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 not. Yeah, it's like any. I guess it's like any place else. You just know that you don't fuck with kids. Uh, to me, it's not. I wasn't like, oh, they're gangsters and blah blah. blah and they're gonna, you know, and there's, you know, I just. They, it's just more about how they looked and how they behaved. And then as I grew older, I came to understand what was actually going on. But at the time it wasn't like, Oh, you know, don't fuck with that kid. He's a gangster. There's yeah. just more like those guys are dicks. Why are they such fucking dicks? You know, like, <laughs> and then I go, Oh, right. Okay. Now I get it. Um, you know, but you know, by the same token, so, some of them were cool. I don't know.
1: Were you <laughs> uh, a, but were you a guy? It, it
3: was funny. Like, 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 like that, that, that opening sequence, I was like, Oh yeah, that's what, that's, that's like outside of my window driving when I was a kid, you know, oh. like, 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 so my mom lives in Hoboken, you know, so whatever, I guess it's probably hard to describe. I'm not going to try to describe New Jersey and New York because so many people have done a better job than me and but, we're only on a podcast. But, <laughs>
1: but, but you say, uh, just to, to, to tie this up, you sure. vaguely relate the Sopranos is vaguely realistic in a sense, or at the very least, you relate to... Utterly realistic.
3: It is? I'm utterly realistic. Huh. I mean, in my opinion. I mean, in my opinion, as far as, like, gangsters, criminals acting like criminals, yeah, it's pretty, pretty fucking accurate. Right, you know?
4: right. Okay. Um,
3: you know, I really like that show. It's really interesting to... You know, I, I watched it when it was out. When I was a young, a young person, you know, I was in my 20s when that show first came out and it was pretty exciting because I was like, Oh my God, this was, you know, I was like, this is about the fucking people that I know. This is what they were up to, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but then watching it now, it really holds up more just the, the corrupting influence and how I wasn't, aware. The, the show is basically about how these people ruin everybody's lives. Yes. They, in order to get their dick sucked. Yeah. You know, basically, you know, like, yeah. and it's like, yeah. And, it's in such high relief when you're at least the second time around I watch it, just all of, you know, Artie Bucco, but everybody is sort of treated like Artie Bucco ultimately. You know what I mean? Like, you know, everybody is you, everybody's lives are diminished by coming into contact with, with these criminals, you know? So in some ways it's fun. It's also fun watching it in the Trump era, you know, like now that, that this kind of, this kind of behavior is now, in, in the in the government, you know what I mean, uh, and and it's accepted as such, you know. Yeah, and also and also, I mean, it's the idea of something happened post Reagan where 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 the idea of like looking after number one became synonymous with American values, and that really was not the case. Prior to Reagan, it, 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 looking at number one was synonymous with American villainy, you know, like like the, like the boss man, the evil capitalist boss man, you know, character and thing has, has had existed since the late, you know, whatever, since since the industrial age, you know, like like people have been take, taking advantage of poor people in America. But Reagan brought a, a, a new Thing in, where which which is like no, it's good to take advantage of people, you know, like like you're a fucking asshole unless you, like you should get what you want and fuck the poor people and because they're stupid, you know, and and like it's all about me, it's all it's all number one, you know, like like get the money and and that's that's the thing, and so then criminals became like when Scarface came out, I was in high school and I was I, I was like okay, this is a black comedy, this is like a racist comedy you know like like that i thought was interesting you know but it's like you know and by racist i mean like like how how they portray cubans yeah you yeah, know? yeah um and i mean one thing i would have never ever in a million years guessed is that Tony, <laughs> S- the character of tony soprano would be perceived as a hero
4: yeah
3: ever ever you know what i mean that's the last thing i could have ever dreamed when that movie came out you know, uh, like, like, I mean, and again, I was a privileged, you know, suburban white kid. So I, it, it was beyond my imagination that, that anybody would think that this was cool. But, but I, I still told that, it, it, like, I still think of it, it's a post Reagan vibe. We're, we're, we've been living in a post Reagan vibe. And the idea that uh, again what's so cool about The Sopranos is like you, the first episode you're like oh wait a minute I can relate to this guy he's you know this is this show's amazing because it's about work you know it's about trying to run a business you know it's about trying to get things done and everything is sort of like you know like like that part of the brilliance of the show is that you relate to this guy at the beginning right. and then you slow, and then slowly you're like wait a minute this guy's a fucking you know the worst dude ever Yeah, and all of this is the worst shit ever you know what I mean and I I really think that it's, it's all, all of the, like, like the era that we're in Sopranos is a very relevant thing. Scarface is very relevant. It's all relevant to understanding. I think an American way of thinking that really is something that happened in the eighties. It happened with Reagan. Well, you know what I mean? I
1: I would, I would say there's at least two things swimming around in what you're saying, you're saying, Mm -hmm. you know, this, this show, that I, I very casually invoke this show, but you're right. It it does resonate with what's going on, particularly mm-hmm. in your country. But I would argue a couple of things. One, I feel mm-hmm. like the brazenness of this sort of behavior is what's, mm-hmm. what's a bit different. I would argue that the things you're describing did occur pre-Reagan, post-Reagan, oh. but I think it was always lurking in the shadows. And the second thing I'll say is that for some reason in our culture in particular, and maybe it happens globally, we mm-hmm. we really need to maybe re-examine our relationship with the anti-hero because oh, anti-hero, for sure. anti-hero worship has been going on for decades. When I think of all like the... Film studies classes I took when I was in high school and university and we delved into film noir and all sorts mm-hmm. of, you know, those sorts of characterizations of kind of mm-hmm. shady business. And then you look at what, mm-hmm. what we've been celebrating uh, and, mm-hmm. and immersing ourselves in collectively pre-Trump, post-Trump, Breaking Bad, Sopranos, Game of Thrones, right, right, Mad right. Men. These are not right. like, like if you're talking about TV and, and film, Tarantino yeah. films. We should not yep. like these people. They're not. Good. I know these
3: people are all fucking stuck. They are. Totally oh, you. And, 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 and yeah. you're right. It is. It's the brazenness, and that's what I mean about the Reagan thing. And I guess, I, yeah, I wasn't clear because, again, the character of the fucking evil boss exploiting people. You know, that's a thing. You know, like there's an amazing there's an amazing folk song called "I Hate the Capitalist System" from like the 30s. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. you know, and just breaking it down. Obviously, we all know these stories. You know, but you're correct. It's the brazenness and. It went from being in, in. I think in the cultural mind, yeah, we all got to stick together because there are these fuckers who have a lot of money, and we got to fucking keep them in check. You know what I mean? Like, like, like they're, you know, like, like, like we have a system that can be abused, and we, and so we, so people have to sort of band together for the greater good. You know, for for for, for the kid, for young people, and for old people, and for weak people, and for, you know, people who need help. We got to stick together because, the, you know, because the powers that be don't care about us and so you know like like yeah. that that's but then correct I, I totally i feel i really agree i've been thinking about this i you know my both my parents were public servants they who you know uh we might, we're meaning you know, my mom's a judge my dad was it was it was a university professor you know but mm-hmm. like yeah i was just why, well, and they were cool and they're mellow and nice and let me do what i want and stuff but the whole idea that there was just that they don't be a fucking gross asshole thing was like was definitely like uh, a vibe, you know. Yeah, when yeah. I was growing up, and and like, and again, yeah, the brazenness, the celebrating—that's why I was using the Tony Soprano thing and how unprepared I, and I was for for what he came to stand for. And yes, it is—it's all about this thing about celebrating the individual, you know. The you know, and and like, even with like the noir, and I agree with you, like the the noir thing, the anti-hero. It's like. You know, yeah, but the reason that these noir guys are anti—we're not supposed to think that they're cool. They're fucked up, you know. Like, like, mm-hmm. like a lot of these characters are are meant to be. It's meant to be understood that they've been fucked up by the war and they can't even handle it. You know what I mean? Like, 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 like that. That that's that's like an unspoken thing about you know about that, and and even like something like like the Beats and the, just this whole idea of like of the individual, you know, fucking everybody over or like you know like. All, all about me. that's that, that's also very like kind of a a beats thing or a kerouac thing you know but again sure. if you read yeah. if you if you read on the road the last time I read it I was like oh my god this this is all about it this is all about post-war trauma mm. and I nobody had ever like suggested that you know but 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 like to me at least you know I, I just never had a professor <laughs> ever be like yeah read this book understand that that all the characters are super traumatized and that there's stuff they can't deal with and they can't think about because of the war.
4: Right. You know. Right. And
3: right. like if you read it that way it, it it's it's really good. <laughs> you know what I mean? And 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 and, and kind of empathetic and makes more sense than oh these guys are really cool. <laughs> you know. I will but, I like, will
1: I will reread that. I did not Yeah, check
3: it. Read it read it with that thing and it's really fascinating in that way and 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 to me a much Better book, you know, if you read. Yeah, it like
1: that. yeah. There's a um, there's a lot about powerlessness there too, in terms of you know, gross people asserting themselves. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the Sopranos, as I'm I'm just uh, as I say, I'm rewatching it for the millionth time, but I yeah. ju- just started season two. But there is mm-hmm. a real clear depiction of police and government corruption as well. That often goes hand yeah. in hand with these depictions. It's not just that. Well, well, I- you know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Uh, agreed. Uh, but, but I think one thing that's changed is like, uh, here's here's the thing. It's like it used to be like, yeah, yeah. We know that the government can be the corruption always exists. You know what I mean? Like, like, like that's just an understood thing. That's human nature. But it went from like we have to protect ourselves against corrupt people to like we should all be corrupt.
1: Yeah. You know. What yeah. I mean?
3: like, like yeah. It's,
1: it's like. Well, we're and, we're and then, we're rooting for heels. Like I remember watching. Yes. Watching Breaking Bad and and quite mm-hmm. quite enjoying that show. But, you know, the last mm-hmm. time I tried to watch it, I was too stressed out. I found it too anxiety-inducing. But you do find yourself rooting for the meth lab kingpin guy over his yep. good-natured, honorable cop. So that's just something. I mean, I think that's what I was doing. I think that's what we're meant yep. to do. So Yeah. And so then isn't the logical conclusion that if Americans are immersed in these kinds of narratives day in day out this guy mm-hmm. a guy like Trump comes along you're gonna wanna totally it's like voting for the bad guy and and yes, man. because he's sort of more interesting than well, the man, straight and I, narrow I, I, so you' we're voting yep. for things that we find interesting we like yeah yes. and we don't even like them Sensational thing yeah the sensational. sensational so that's where I I your country and ours probably too. Is in a mm-hmm. t- terrible state that way, and I'm not ever someone who's like we gotta examine the media, you know. When right. I'm not like right. t- Tipper Gore or something, I'm just saying right, like, right, right. well, we've just been immersing ourselves in in culture in this regard. I would even say hip hop music. Like I g- I grew up loving hip hop music, and I viewed that right. as aspirational music. Like right. yes, finally, right. this is like yeah. reparations. In fact, to get yours, yeah. but now I'm on the yeah. other side of like isn't Trump the ultimate avatar of some of that materialistic misogynistic, like now I'm like very confused. Like what have I been immersing (laughs) myself in and celebrating my whole life? Uh, You know, like, so then I'm like re-examining my, anyway, sorry, this is, it's, it is a a lot, lot. it's a lot to unpack.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it it really is. And, and, and again, again, from the perspective of somebody uh, like I'm, I'm somebody who was lucky and, and had a lot of things provided for me. So the, uh, so, you know, my, my, my needs, so many of my needs were met. So, so, you know, it took me, I had to gain an understanding of the good, of the good minded criminal, or, or, I don't know how to put it, but, yeah, yeah. but, you know, it took me, it, it took me a minute to really understand why you had to live outside the law and 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 how fucking wretched law enforcement is and you know, and, and again I, and I grew up and like luckily I grew up around people who weren't like me my whole life you know but still I didn't know shit you yeah. know what I mean I still don't know shit you know what I mean yeah. and, and I agree with you I I just I keep on going oh my god I can't believe that I, I, I didn't get get it <laughs> you know yeah. and 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 I guess what I, but get it is, is you know, me understanding exactly how privileged I was, and and really the full degree of how much it sucks to be to 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 not be white. You know, is something I've been aware of all my life, but I'm only just more and more aware of it. You know? <laughs> yeah, it, it sucks. Yeah, you know, and yeah. and but but also I agree as far as like I've talked to really in, in, incredible people who all of a sudden will will like dig the Trump vibe because it has something to do with. Yeah. He's a gangster. He goes for his. And it's like, no, stop. No. Yeah. You know, it's like, like because no matter how you cut it, that kind of shit ends up hurting people. It does it's be, 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 being, you know, being looking out for number one and treating the world like it's a fucking like, like it's a rat race and that, you know, it's go, go for yours and out for self and all this kind of shit. And again, you know, I don't know. That shit sucks. It just ends up sucking.
1: Well, you know? and, and, and I'm a new, I'm a well, I'm not a new parent. I have a, a nine year old and a six mm. year old. So you mm. you end up encountering a lot of what we're discussing. Just talking to them, like this sort of rationalization of selfishness. Like mm-hmm. I, I did this because of this, and and you know, I right. I've engaged in that behavior too. Like you're talking about reassessments or or sort of like. Maybe understanding your place in the world and maybe what your behavior means to other people, and mm-hmm. that's a positive aspect of maybe what's going on culturally in terms of people stopping to self-examine. You know, self-care mm-hmm. and self-examine. Mm-hmm. So I think that's right. that's good. But there is this rationalization of assholery. Like I, oh yeah, yes, I, and it's it, it really stems. From I think the way we've immersed ourselves in certain kinds of culture and and sort of I think some of us have been like well that's a character or that's a performance or that's that's a fiction you know I'm not I don't assume that people would actually behave that way and now we're living through a a phase where people took it literally like oh I can oh yeah man yeah so that's where that's why it's really the disconnect is real because it it is a separation of reality it is in a it is a conflation of of popular culture, fiction and reality that doesn't work. um, It doesn't work at all. Yeah.
3: yeah, And, and, and again, if you have motherfuckers who watch, or that's, that's me. If if you have people who watch TV (laughs) all the time, people like, 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 you know, and and I have somebody that I love that that, that's in mind, you know, a colleague that I love, but, and dudes, dude has always watched TV, you know what I mean? and, Look at where TV's gone, and of course, you know he got infected with 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 Foxisms. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But 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 Foxisms are based on on heelisms. You know what I mean? Are, are are based on this idea of like the American heel being right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and 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 like and it's all based on believing shit that from from television narratives from stupid fucking television narratives. Yeah. You know what i mean and, and and it's a fact that is a fucking fact. I do it too. we all do it you yeah. know what I mean we yeah. all all of our values are, are are pretty screwed up because of we watch a shit ton of TV <laughs> you know and it's like and and like well and, and i
1: I don't want to sound like an old man, but I feel like right. it, it had there are aspects of the television wasteland that, that I had growing up I think you and I are probably around the same age. And there I'm 51. So. Oh, oh, OK. So you've got some years. years. I'm four, I, just, yeah, yeah. I just turned 43. So but okay, uh, but right. we're, we're close. So t- close enough, yeah. t- TV definitely had some filler. I mean, the whole time I've been watching TV, there was stuff that just was like, all right, it's Sunday. I'm going to watch any biography all day or whatever the hell. But, right. but But I would argue that. And again, I don't mean to sound like an old out of touch person. It used it's to fine. be it used to be a little more substantive, perhaps, and now it's very stylized. Like all the stuff mm-hmm. that people talk about is pretty like gross, like superficial shit. Um, yeah. and I don't necessarily I knew that was there and I would avoid it. Right. But it just seems like we that's what ends up pervading our collective conversations more like did you see did you I've never seen the show The Bachelor I've never watched reality right. TV me neither right yeah right. yeah but reality TV like my son is into it now like everything he doesn't watch those shows but he's so immersed in sort of the way culture is now that when he leaves a computer screen or a TV screen everything's a competition everything has to be right. something where it's an adversarial relationship where yeah who's going to eat dinner the fastest I'm like leave on that's not just because you yeah, watch that game show or they turned that yeah. concept into a game show. Not yeah. all of life is a game show, but now yeah. you got a game show host as a, as a leader of the free world. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. going to pervade like very competitive, selfish. I need to win at all costs kind of behavior. And I feel like that's where we're at right now. And I
3: totally, yeah, it's so brutal. It is bad. It's, it, it's, it's, I know it really sucks. And, and, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I am an old out of touch person, so it's fine. I could say, I could say <laughs> I want. Um, but, 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 but like that just really is the case. And of course we could just, you know, and if we're going to stay on that, you know, I, I don't know if you watched that Mr. Rogers documentary, but ain't no way you're not going to be bawling when you watch it, you know, and like, like it's,
1: that is why it, we haven't, my wife and I keep seeing it show up as a thing we can watch. Yeah, you don't want to cry. She's like, <laughs> I know I'm going to cry. She said that every time yeah. I, I will cry. And it's like,
3: worth, you know, it's, it's ultimately it's worth it though, because that, that, and that's the thing that I've, I've found is like, I got to still like, it's good to check those things out because you see, it's like, you could cry that it's not there anymore, but it's like, yeah, but still this was a completely underdog thing. And this is about being clear. And also like, let's not, let's make no mistakes about it. It's always been pretty fucking awful. Mm -hmm. There's always been something this bad. You know what I mean? There's always been some version of something this bad for God's sake. Yeah. Look at, you know, you look at the sixties and what was going in civil rights. It's thousands of people with, with, with signs with the N word on it. It's screaming and trying to throw rocks at children. You know what I mean? It's like, we're not, we've gotten, we've, we've edged a little bit away from that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like, it's always been there. It's always fucking been there. It's always been awful. You know what I mean? Like, like, so, so it's important to see, like when you watch, I would recommend watching Mr. Rogers thing. Cause you're like, Oh, right. It's not like everything was better then. it was that.
1: Yeah. Things
3: were really sucky. Things were really sucky. And this guy did something good. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's important. To, I, I think it to, and that's why it's important to watch these things. is like, Because I also did the same thing. I put off watching for those reasons. Like, I don't want to cry. I don't want to fucking think about how great things used to be. It's not about that, you know.
1: Well, Um, I I interviewed the comedian Sashir Zameda a couple years ago, uh, a few years mm -hmm. ago. And we were talking about, at the time, this was way before uh, the Black Lives Matter movement had really picked Mm -hmm. up the national or international profile, but she was saying that as, as hard as this has been for us to live through uh, this, this, mm-hmm. this type of experience, the bandaid is off. Uh, and mm-hmm. that, that needs to happen. Like if this wound is actually going to heal, we have to suck it up, live through this yeah. bullshit of people brazenly, you know, so we all see it like it's not. And so we all believe it. Finally, she was saying like mm-hmm. this, this has just been a bandaid for, 100, 300, 400 years of like, everything's Mm -hmm. everything's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a few people who talk like this and there's microaggressions, but everything's mostly fine. What we're seeing now is that everything has never been fine. And so, again, hard for us, for some of us to live through it, But and to probably raise children during it on some level as well, um, just to try to negotiate the day. Uh, As people of color, Mm -hmm. as a person of color myself, I, mm-hmm. I I deal with it and I keep moving. Um, yeah, man. So it is it is complicated. I want to I, I I want to take us back to your high school days for a moment, only because okay, <laughs> only because <laughs> I, I want to try to figure out where your relationship to guitar and music kind of began. For me, I picked high school. For me, it preceded that, but I assume around high school you start to find yourself. When did you kind of get into Sorry for presuming anything, by the way, Matt, maybe you've been... No problem, man. But when when did you kind of get into music and when did you get into playing guitar?
3: Uh, I got into music when I was about five, pretty much, you know, as long as I can remember. Uh, but at five, I saw the monkeys. I was like, okay, great. That's that's it, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, that's the thing. It's like, I'm a really not very... I, I, whatever I think about it, I'm like, I'm probably the least interesting most like close-minded person because it's like, I've just had the singular interest in like stupid fucking combo music made by five, five, four or five people. <laughs> <laughs> like I've been interested in that since I was five years old.
1: No, I'm, like, I'm, pretty, I'm exactly you know? the same. <laughs> like, I was um, just chatting with someone, about this just today over the over my yeah. phone just saying oh, yeah, I, it's like, uh, I was six I, I'm I was six years old when i first heard a beatles tape and thought what the hell is this and yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the fucking greatest yeah,
3: yeah it's funny actually i, I remember I, I heard my teacher and six maybe it was a substitute teacher when i was six years old brought in i want to hold your hand and played it and made everybody hold hands and so i was like ew <laughs> Um and so 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 that song didn't really grab me but the monkey I, but I, I was sounds, already It sounds
1: like it literally grabbed you actually you had to hold yeah, I mean, yeah, someone's yeah, yeah. hand um, yeah, uh,
3: yeah that, it, rather, <laughs> rather that song touched me and I, and I moved the fucking to the other side of the room um but, but 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 monkeys I was already all in on so I guess I'm I'm Beatles before monkeys but then or monkeys before Beatles but then like when I was 8 years old I got turned on a, a kid in my class this guy, Steve Sheridan was like, Beatles and Queen are cool. I was like, Oh, what are those? You know, like, or what's that? Yeah, you know, like, I yeah. think I'd forgotten and then got obsessed with the Beatles. We actually actually made, we did a, like a, we had to do like a, a class presentation and we, I, I did a, me, me and Steve Sheridan and this kid, Steve, another Steve, Steve Vanetsky. Um, We, we did a Beatles, you know, we made cardboard guitars and and lip sync to the Beatles And, and I remember as we were doing it, I was like, this is the worst fucking idea. Like as, as we were finally, I was like, Oh my God, this, like, I saw everybody just laughing at us and thinking it it's the goofiest shit in the world. You know, it, it, it it was such a disaster and and it was like, you know, this would be 1978. The Beatles were not fucking cool. You know, uh, uh, disco was happening. Grease was happening you know and we i think we did lucy in the sky with diamonds with cardboard (laughs) guitars and all and we're like and i it was this huge rebel i was like oh my god what the fuck you know i was so hard i went from just being thinking that we were about to do something and i was gonna be the coolest person in the world to realizing in real time in front of people that this was the lamest thing in the world and then i remember girls like fake chase test around like like oh yeah oh it's the beatles look oh we really like you guys <laughs> hard so hard days fucking, night it style yeah it yeah. Was, <laughs> yeah but like making fun of it ironically being like we, we would never t- you guys are losers you know um so so like so you know so i was pretty into it and then somehow it took a while to get over the trauma of like well I everybody saw me pretend to play guitar and i don't know how to play guitar but like I think I sort of walked around like I was going to play guitar or I was a guitar player before I ever did. I already had to play clarinet because also I'm from the generation where it's like it was just normal to play an instrument whether you gave a fuck about music or not, you know? Um,
1: because of school or because with, of your parents?
3: Yeah, because of school, right. you know, which is awesome. And that's another really interesting thing and something I think about all the time. It's kind of a separate conversation, but the idea that like being good at music is, is even special, it's not. It's totally not. It's Hmm. not special to be good at music. It's like, it's something that everybody can do. And the sounds that come out of your mouth hole and hands when you're good at music, that's special, but the ability to do it is not right. You know, And, and, and it's something that you fucking learn and, and it's cool. And it's a really good thing to know how to do. And that used to just be understood because it was good for your brain and good for the environment for people to know how to fucking play a tune you know what i mean that's good that's a good thing that's a good skill there's no such thing as somebody knowing how to play a tune that's always good you know what i mean like yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's it's like it's like somebody knowing how to draw how to draw a reasonable cute drawing of whatever they're looking at that's good you know what i mean like you can't say that that's not you know like like, like that and, and anyone can do that Literally, sure, you know, sure. It just takes some. It just takes education. So, so
1: and time and perseverance and time.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, you know, yeah. you know and, and and all that stuff. But it's just like it, that used to be built into the U.S. school system. Is like you yeah. there was fucking music classes and pretty much like just so many kids were in school band. They didn't care about. They didn't really even want to be there. You know. Uh, no, so it, was, I, so it was
1: actually really f- to, it was forced upon some of us, right? Yeah, to, yeah, yeah, you know,
3: and and there's that, and 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 then there's the counter argument, like, well, you're going to make kids hate music before. So. it's like, no, actually, the worst thing that's really going to happen is the kids going to think that it's corny, but they're still going to know how to play, you know, you know what, the beginning of Moonlight Sonata on a piano, and it sounds sure. cool, you yeah, know? <laughs> like, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, um, But but like so anyway, so that's me with clarinet when I'm eight years old. Like, oh God, I have to do this with my dad's because. You know, my dad said I have to play in the school band, and that seems f- fair enough. My dad's a nice enough guy; he says it's a good idea, so I'll do it. You know what I mean? And so I played clarinet, Jesus, all the way through high school, just because I thought it was just something you had to do. You know? Yeah, um, sure. just just kind of an obligation, a school obligation. Same really, way, same and, and, way
1: you have to learn math or science. Yeah, totally, right.
3: totally, one hundred percent. So, but then, so then, but then the guitar side was a whole other thing. That was fantasy. You know that that was that was like what I wanted to do and. What I aspired to do in a completely, as I've made clear, moronic monkeys' childhood way. You know Kiss what? Also huge. I,
1: I just want to interject. Yeah. I love the. Yeah. Mon- I I don't know how I got to see it. I guess TV was different and things were syndicated. Maybe they still are. The Monkeys mm-hmm. TV show was remarkable. Like I was a big fan. A of-
3: fucking cool. I was Dude, a big. I watch. I- <laughs> yeah,
4: got it. I was Sorry, just going to say ahead.
1: I was a big fan of the Batman, the '60s Batman show, and then I yeah. then I saw the Monkeys, and they felt. Yeah. They felt sort of like related, like TV was very interesting. It was like meta almost, like they were kind of, everything was, su- yeah. it was like a joke and the, mon- the monkeys were clearly like, they were personalities, the songs were great, mm-hmm. like the, I like, mm-hmm. they all lived in a house, like I love that show, uh, I mm-hmm. dream of Genie too, I remember watching all these shows and feeling like I was in on some kind of joke from like the 60s that I didn't understand. And then things didn't, it didn't really happen in the eighties. Like eighties sitcoms were quite earnest, but then I would always come mm-hmm. across like the monkeys was so incredible. And, but it also but, turned yeah. them into a little bit of a, a joke because we didn't take their music yeah. as seriously because they were the guys, they were uh, one of the first boy bands, right? They were a fabricated entity on some level. Dude. <laughs> well, I was, I,
3: I'm, I'm laughing because, because yes, I agree with you. And also my, my girlfriend and I last night we were having this conversation about the monkeys, literally about this, which exactly about this, which is they were hip. They were cool. I, I don't know how, like, like my girlfriend, like, I think I was like, Oh, did you ever see that movie head? I don't know if you've ever seen that movie head. Yeah, it's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah um, of course. You know? So, so I was like, I was like, you know, the intro to head was just such a cool thing. So we watched that. And then she's like, right. And so they're like, kind of like the first prefab band. I was like, yeah, but like, I don't know if they were the first, but yes, they're prefabricated, but that was also built in. That was understood, and they played with that. And there's this sense of, you know, it, it's a different kind of irony, you know, because, like the mon- it was just hip. They were hip. And also, you know, the, the more you find out about the monkeys, the more amazing they are. You know, they took Hendrix on tour.
1: Yeah. You know, no, like, absolutely. They uh, were cool. I like that's the weird yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah,
3: yeah. And Neil Young and Jimi Hendrix are on monkeys' tracks. That's something that nobody knows. Um, oh, I didn't know that. They, yeah, because there was some kind of union loophole or something, but. They, I don't, or I don't know what, I don't know why I'm saying, but I remember somehow hearing that. But basically, Monkeys was a fucking huge payday for a lot of cool people, including musicians and Hendrix and Neil Young. I was told by somebody who worked with Neil forever that they sessioned on Monkeys tracks. Oh,
4: okay,
1: wow, <laughs> and, got, and,
3: got, and they did it because they were like, "This fucking, you know, these songs are great. The money, the money's great, you know." And they get anonymously play on it, so there's like it was cool, like. There's literally Hendrix and Neil Young, this is what I'm told, are on a couple of Monkey's tracks that you know.
1: Together? Like, together they're on it? I uh, know. I don't know. I don't oh. know about
3: that. Probably not. Um, Neil, Neil Young's that-
1: whole early recorded history, like the stuff with uh, Rick James, and like, he's just got so many interesting connections i mean to yeah I mean,
3: like i was such a beast musician yes um, but anyway like so, so so so, like so the monkeys i totally agree with you and for some reason they were on all the time yeah you know? so so yeah. My, my so my brain turns on you know 73 or 74 and they were just constantly on tv you know so from about the age of three to six that was my shit you know and i'll go on actually here, here's a deeper cut um <laughs> is uh sha-na-na yes we're, I, I'm I'm reevaluating Sean in a big way. I, I, I have before, but I'm like, look again, looking at it. Now that I'm officially old and out of touch and nothing matters, uh, and, and my opinion doesn't matter about <laughs> fucking anything. Uh, Sean Anand is so incredibly cool and was so huge for anybody my age, whether you like it or not, whether we liked it or not. It was const- They were on TV through the 70s. And, and like, and then when you start to break it down, it's like Sid Vicious's favorite band was Shine Na huh. You know what I mean? Like, look at Malcolm McLaren, look at the Six Pistols. They look like they're in Shine Na Oh,
4: you know, Not that yes. Sid Vicious
3: was making the calls, but the English were the only people t- the English had a grasp of what was fucking rad about 50s rock and roll and in the 70s. And so there are these movements like the Teddy Boys and Seditionary and, and Malcolm McLaren. That, that was all post-Teddy Boys. That was all like fifties rock and roll is the shit, mm-hmm. you know, like, 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 don't get it twisted. This is the wildest shit, you know, like, like this, this, this hippie shit of people standing on stage and being self-indulgent. fuck that, you know? Yeah. So, so Sha and not, nah we're the only Americans doing that, you know, and they started doing it in 67, I think. And there were a radical group of Columbia student, Columbia university students who were involved in some pretty seriously gnarly protests. And then we're just into some weird shit. And somehow, because they played at a club called Steve Paul's The Scene, which is like, which is another kind of, that's all of the thing. But there's this really amazing club <laughs> in New York that that is the secret history to so much stuff. Like meaning, if you played there, your career would take off. Oh, and okay. Sean and nah gets a gig at The Scene, which leads to them getting a gig at, at Woodstock, which leads to ultimately a TV show, you know, in, in 74 or 75. They have a fucking syndicated TV show, you know. But this is one of the strangest bands ever, you know, and talk about like a sense of being in on something like, like, like th- In fact, this is why I was watching the monkeys because I was thinking about these things <laughs> that were omnipresent musical forces that were kind of perceived as at some point it, in, in your journey as a music freak, you have to like leave these things behind and, and, and somehow, or somebody tells you this is corny or you just decide, Jesus I can't watch the monkeys again. They're everywhere. Or I can't watch Sean and anymore because I would need some alternative to this because this is everywhere. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like, like they were so ubiquitous in a certain way, or they felt, they felt ubiquitous rather.
4: Um, right. Right.
3: And, uh, so Sean and became this, you know, like was like, at least for, for me. And it's so funny now because I I was, I was saying this to my girlfriend. I, I was like, I was like, you know, it was, you know, it was the opposite in my child mind of Sean and kiss was like, the cool alternative to Sean and I. And she's like, dude, it's the exact same shit. In fact, <laughs> you know, Sean and I is like so much cooler. I was like, I know, I know that now. <laughs> but like, you know, like, like then, then it was like, well, but Kiss had like blood and, you know, like, you know, and my parents and actually because Kiss had so, so, was so gross that parents would not get behind Kiss. But for some reason, because they, they thought Sean and I was okay, I guess because... I don't know why, because, like,
1: well, there was I no blood. There was no like, yeah, but I mean, okay, here's
3: the other thing. We're talking about Sean no one knows about Sean now, no one under 40 knows they ever That's, existed ever, right? Ever. And so like, I just turned on a kid to school that I know, you know, it was like 25 or something like that. I was like, I just sent him a Sean clip. He was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you know, like, and, and this look up, all he says, look up Sean and 1972, and, and and it will blow your mind it is so fucking cool and strange and there's a sense i, I guess i'm going on about because there's a sense of irony these guys know what's up they're very hip yeah you know what i mean yeah and, and they're in on something they're in character but it goes beyond that there's also so much love for it they're actually it's i don't know it's fascinating like like now is a really good time just to check out shine or well and on a bigger level yeah it's and on a bigger level, it's interesting to, to tie it together with this sort of idea of American badassery individualism and how how it's led to the horrible culture that we're in now. Which is, what's so cool about Sean not nah, it's like 12 dudes, they're all bad guys, right? They're all <laughs> kind of healy 50s guys. They're all together. They're all working together. There is no front guy. They're all front guys. You know what I mean? Hmm. There is such a fucking unified sense of togetherness that it's like almost... I don't know what it's really moving, you know, and and particularly now when you see it, I don't it feels different than watching a bunch of dancers on stage like, like, you know, on an award show. It's a whole different thing. I don't just watch it. It's like they're all dancing. They're all singing. Every guy is 100 percent giving it. Every guy's better than the next guy. You know what I mean. Well, but they're I, all together.
1: I'm going it really cool. yeah, to look it up. Cool, Sha Na 1972. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, man. I, yeah, yeah,
3: watch. Look up Sha Na uh, suite in 1972. There's a great like 20 minute thing of them playing some big fest, big TV televised festival, and that's the one. They they threaten the host, <laughs> like <laughs> like the singer literally. Th- he goes, you hear, and it's it's off. It's kind of off mic. He goes, he goes. I thought you said you were going to move these things out of the way. The guy's like, we're moving them out of the way. He's like, well, you better move them out of the way. Or we're going to move you. <laughs> like, it's incredible. It's just, just dig it. And, 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 I'm, and I could go on for hours more because there's a lot more to talk about. about that, but, but anyway, but going back to what, what I was into as a kid, fucking shot it out. It wasn't even whether you're into it or not. It was like what you had to watch. You know I mean? Yeah. Like it was yeah. Awesome. But like, again, going back to it, it's like, it's so aggressive. There's like, There's it's somehow not sexual, even though it's like so much man ass and cock like in your face, like (laughs) these tight pants. And like it's really intense. Right. But somehow the sexuality is just part of it. It's not a thing. I don't know. It's really fascinating if you watch it now. Also, like aggressive baldness. (laughs) like mixed with guys dressed as teenagers. It's so weird. It's so weird, but it really works. You know, like, like, uh, I don't know. Just check it. It's really cross, cross
1: generational um, appeal there, I I guess is what's going on. It's just wild.
3: It's just some wild shit, you know, but really mainly on like a style thing. It's like, they look so fucking cool. It's nuts. And, And they sound, they sing so good. And there's something so punk about the whole thing, I guess. In closing, there's something so (laughs) non pretentious and you feel like you could be in it. You feel like you could do it somehow. Yeah, I I think
1: uh, I think when people come across self-aware and are clearly having fun with something, it is infectious. mm -hmm. It's more infectious than people who aren't aware of what they're doing, like who don't realize what mm -hmm. they're really putting out there, which is Mm -hmm. often that's where self-seriousness comes in. You're like, hey, man chill out a little like you're taking this a little too yeah. seriously it's music yeah like do you, you know, know?
3: <laughs> yeah do you know how this is coming off because i don't think you
1: did well like, i was just watching yeah. uh the video for uh break up your band that's available on uh-huh. or, and there's like a male stripper or something going oh, yeah. on what what like so yeah. the, you guys had a as you went on in your musical career you have a sense of fun like when i think of also oh yeah guitar moves the tv show you had there was yeah. a sense of reverence and a sense of fun. Like I, I think you yeah. you've always had that. Like this is ridiculous. I'm I'm taking this seriously, but also I recognize that this is a bit ridiculous. And maybe that stems from I'm psychoanalyzing you here. So that <laughs> maybe kind of maybe, maybe monkeys sha na like sha-na-na. <laughs> you know like yeah like yeah I'm I'm in I, I take myself and my work seriously, but I'm having fun and we should have fun. Is that maybe yeah. And-
3: and and, and and this shit is pretty fucking stupid. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, but 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 like at, so is everything. I don't know. Like it's profound, profoundly stupid. <laughs> I don't know. Well, um, I, I but also, yeah, I, I don't know. I, 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 I really I can't argue with it. And again, I'm laughing because I that's what I said last time before we did better. I was like, well, I guess. All my life, I knew that one day I'd be this guy, being like, "Yeah, actually, no, Sean, or no. <laughs> you know, like
1: Well, it, there's you know? a. As we're speaking, there's. A, I was. I just followed the um, Super Wolves Instagram account, yeah. and there's uh-huh. a, there's a video uh, clip, and it's you playing guitar. It's a split screen, and the one side is black, and it's you playing guitar, and then Will Oldham shows up, and kind of just as he starts singing. And that has I do I, I know that that has like a bit of a comedic effect, and I feel like will yeah. will has that too, where will is having fun with with reverence, having fun with seriousness on some level, and I feel totally. like is that yeah you, man is,
3: that's I, this is, I, I, I I think you're I agree with you <laughs> i I think that the, the cool I think nobody touches will. Is, is, is in this, in this aspect, which is that there's this intense sense of fun, like really funny. And then also, but it's like sort of sitting by the sitting by a yawning grave, you know, like, 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 you know, like, like, like he really genuinely, I think almost everything he does has a sense of humor and a real sense of like an understanding of the hard parts of life and death. You know, Absolutely. Like, like, like,
4: yeah,
3: uh, and 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 like that's he really trucks in that really beautifully and really well. And 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 it's pre it's consistent yes. in his work from the jump, you know. Uh, and like I, I I picked up on it right away and and responded to it when I first heard that music, and uh, you know, but but yes, there and there's always something kind of funny about it, you know, like, like, the, and it puts it puts Will in, in, in a certain place, and definitely it puts. What 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 Will and I do together in a certain place, which which to me I I like, and and there's and it's funny because me and Will. Can really, really, really connect on things. I mean, that's why we do what we do. But like, what I, I told Will that I've been watching Sean and I, and he was like, Oh my God. He's like, I watch that all the time. I haven't reconsidered it. You know, like, <laughs>
1: okay. Um, You're
3: spread, uh, but, spreading
1: but, but, the word of Sean and I. You're like the president of the well, Sean and I fan I, club. I just,
3: I, I had to, especially with people that I'm close, that, that I work closely with. It's like, you kind of got to bring it up. You know? <laughs> like, um, uh, but, 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 but what's wild is that me and Will have talked about everything for the last 20 years and we somehow never talked about that. And it's foundational. Yeah. You know, it is, you know, but again, it is something that's something, something that was so foundational and something that I watched as a kid was so, so such a sophisticated, ironic take on the, rock music from the 50s you know it's just it's it's so wild it's just it's such a wild it's so weird well um, it,
1: it is and i mean yeah will and i have been become friendly over the last uh, 15 years or so and mm-hmm. he's always uh, very sweet to me and and grants me time and and i think we have mm-hmm. really interesting and and far-flung conversations not unlike this one if i might say matt like mm-hmm. we kind of started cool. one place and went a different way but i i do yeah. i do want to delve into this relationship a bit more you mentioned you've you've been working together for for 20 years how did you and will actually connect you said you were a fan of his music first how did you connect as collaborators and then within that how is this extended like you guys now call yourselves you made a record called super wolf and will Will makes lots of records with lots of people but something Mm -hmm. about this this spark between you has sustained itself in a mm-hmm. way that is a little unusual for him. And you call yourselves now, I think, Super Wolves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what is the nature? Yeah. Can you talk about the origin of this relationship and, and why it sure, seems to I, continue?
3: I, I think I could try to get that through that pretty cl- clearly. I met Will through a mutual friend, through Britt Walford, who is the drummer of Slint,
4: mm-hmm.
3: who Will grew up with. And in the 90s, Britt and I ended up as roommates in this weird Bowery loft, and I was playing a little bit of music with Brit, and kind of hoping that I that that me and Brit were going to start playing more music. So, and, and then one summer, Will moved to New York, to New York, and we ran into each other on the street because, and, and we, we literally just stopped. You know, we we recognized each other, and we were like, "Hey, you're Brit's friends. You're friends with Brit." You know what I mean? And so we just started talking on house and Street in, in in New York. So we ended up getting drinks with Brit and and David Berman was also living in New York at the time. Mm. And so we just hung out, you know, we just kind of hit it off right away. Uh, And then also what was funny is then right around that same time, or maybe it was after, it's hard for me to remember, Will ended up hiring the PR company that I worked at. He didn't hire me, but he ended up hiring another publicist of this PR company that I worked at to work on I See a Darkness. Oh. So, and I really don't remember what conversation happened first, but but I guess... The one that really mattered was was that we met on the street and, and, and it was about our mutual friend. but another very interesting thing was that I I got to know Will as a friend, but then also would, he would come by the office, you know and all, and it was you know in the 90s like he was he had his mystique was massive yeah. you know what I mean like, yeah. And so he, so all of a sudden there, there's there are these advanced cassettes of Bonnie Prince Billy and I was like, what the fuck is this? you know mm-hmm. And also I, 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 that record blew my mind. And I was like, so this is Will, this is Palace Brothers guy, what is this, what is this? you know? Mm-hmm. Well, he's calling himself Bonnie Prince Billy, right? Oh, here he is. So Will walks in, I was like, hey, you know, I was like, why are you Bonnie Prince Billy? And he goes, oh, I'm trying to lose my fans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to lose my fan base. That was his line. <laughs> and, and, which is a very memorable, hilarious. And, and again, I'm sitting at a desk in a PR office, I was like, this guy's sick, you know? Like, uh, But it was but it was interesting. So, so we kind of like hit the ground running between sort of, he had made a pivotal record and I kind of got to have a couple of conversations with him, like I'm body, you know, talking about him saying I'm body friends Billy now. And I mean, I can't think of too many people who, you know, you know, palace had an, you know, will Oldham and palace really had money, <laughs> had money value. Yeah. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah at, yeah. at the time. And he, he definitely was not interested in that, you know? Hmm. So anyway, so, so that was an interesting conversation, but then, then we're just friends with Brit. And then, and and we're hanging out and laughing. He's fucking just just getting wasted and having fun. And then he heard me play guitar. And by that point, I had kind of turned a corner and I started finger picking. And I had Chavez wasn't doing much. And I had kind of just taken an intense interest in learning how to finger pick. And he heard me play. And he goes and, and, and he goes, "Oh wow, you sound good." I was like, "Okay, cool." I goes, "You want to record?" And I was like, "Sure." You know? And like and then he's like, "Well, I got the song." You, you want to try the song? Sure. And he she kind of shows it to me, and I and I use my finger picking thing that I just figured out. He goes, "Yeah, man, like let's let's record this." You know, I was like, "Oh." So I was like, you know, my friend Khan has a studio. He's like, "Let's do that." He's who's he? he's like, he's a, he's a techno guy. He's like, "Oh, really?" I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Want to see if we can record the, with a techno guy?" You know. So we record with, with this guy Khan, who's amazing. Khan Oral, he's pretty deep, deep serious, real techno dude from berlin okay he made records and making records from matador but his whole thing he was always a guy who like was very into like the human face of techno oh okay but at any rate we we ended up making a you know a folky kind of song but we recorded it with a guy who never recorded folky stuff and it was just a really cool experience and then from then on i was like you know that was it i was gonna be playing i would play with will whatever i could
1: so what what song what song are you referring to
3: that's always called "What's Wrong with the Zoo."
1: Okay. Okay.
3: <laughs> and it was on some French soundtrack.
1: Oh, it's a bit of an and obscurity. Then, okay. Okay.
3: Oh well, my God! Totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I've never even heard it. Or I, I mean, I remember hearing it when we did it. I don't know if I have ever heard it since. Um,
1: He's very hard then, to keep up with. Will isn't he? There's just yeah, yeah. Always something yeah. which I I appreciate actually. I like me too. I think it's awesome. I like not Good knowing. <laughs> I feel it's it's usually a few months later. I'm like, what? I I just look at something. I'm like, oh. I didn't realize that was a thing. And then I find it and I'm like, Oh, another amazing record or song. Yeah. He's Cons-
3: consistently with him consistently. Like, yeah. like, like it, it's there's, he's always, he's always working. He's a workaholic. And not, actually that's the wrong word. He's always working. He's not addicted to, he's not a workaholic, but he loves to fucking work. That, that loves it.
1: I mean, really, really. there's nothing pejorative to me. It's inspiring. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what well, it I, does I, to him, and uh, I yeah
3: I guess when I say workaholic that that implies like that that there's other that there's re, some kind of fucked upness about yeah, about yeah, why yeah. you're doing no I get um, yeah. uh, but which is which, which and and that's why I, I redacted because it's actually you know Will's a wild dude like we're all wild people but the I I think and this is also something that hit me right away about him was like there's nothing weird about this guy as far as his work goes he what he is about it you know what i mean like, yeah. like he's about fucking writing he's about singing he's a singer and a songwriter like that's what he does you know and that's what and like that's what he does every fucking day you know and like and for and the kind of the, the clarity of that was so was really striking you know and, and which is also what's funny about him i suppose is also like it's like well then why does he change his name all the time? Why does he seem to not care about being famous? Why does he you know like why is he such a conundrum? Why you know, like like why does he do all these things that maybe somebody who was trying to be a brand or whatever wouldn't do? You know what I mean? And the answer is because he's a singer and a songwriter. You know what I mean?
1: Well, uh, I think he also once explained to me about we I asked him why he tended to revisit his older songs so much. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we could loosely describe them as... I think I did in an interview say, yeah, you're kind of doing covers of yourself. He's like, no, no, these are separate universes. These are not... Yeah. They're not the same. Like, it's from a different... And I said, what? Yeah. And he said, you know, like <laughs> the Justice League, you know, how there's like parallel universes. And I, I read comic books as a kid, but I didn't really follow. I was like, I guess so. And then he explained it. And once you, once you look at Will and his monikers, and his records, and the fact mm-hmm. that he himself has recorded a thousand versions of I See a Darkness or New Partner, mm-hmm. you realize mm-hmm. these are they, they are separate universes, because mm-hmm. ta- each day is part of a different universe, and each year totally, man. is a new universe. So if you look at it that totally. way, as a temporal sort of recognition or something, I don't think mm-hmm. he... I, I just think he's on a plane that, that we don't He's a gift to me. Like to me, he's a yeah. gift and he's been a gift in my life since I first encountered him, his work. And well said, and having gotten to know him a little bit just through conversations. Yeah, he's a gift. And so yeah. I, I, I do also appreciate your, you seem drawn to people who want to work. I, the other collaboration that I find fascinating with you for you. I mean, there's been so many, but, mm-hmm. but LP run the jewels. Mm-hmm. You, you appear on, I believe, every run the jewels record, right? I guess it somehow did, yeah. yeah. So th- that's just another relationship uh, I- I'm yeah. curious about because you mentioned this techno fellow, and I'm sure that, that like I, we're all open-minded yeah. music people, yeah. uh, people who like yeah. music. We listen to all sorts of things, and I'm not su- yeah. surprised that you're on Yeah working with LP, but how did that relationship start, and why? Why, Matt, are you on every single Run the Jewels record? One. One would be something, <laughs> but you're on all four of them so far. How is this possible? Yeah,
3: well, because uh, well, I've known LP since the 90s. I mean, one thing that's important to understand, I guess, or, or, or I don't know,
4: it's not important, but, <laughs> but like,
3: uh, um, you know, I've lived in fucking New York this whole time, and people come through, and Jamie's from New York, you know what I yes, mean? Yes, yeah, yeah. But and and there's just the thing, like you get to know a lot of people in New York, you know. Or at least I sure did, you know. Like it's like people come through there and they're kind of down to hang out and talk about music and hang out at a bar and get drunk and talk, you know. And that's literally now. I know Jamie from going to this bar, Black Betty in Brooklyn. We had a mutual friend. Who I guess our mutual friend was his manager, Amici, who I just knew was like a music. I don't even, you know what I mean? Yeah. He was like a friend or friend. Oh, but but. But again, there's two different ways about it. It was like, I knew Jamie from talking to him at a bar, but also I was a fan of his shit. And I was a fan of Company Flow. Mm -hmm. And because I worked at this PR company, I turned the Beastie Boys onto Company Flow. And so I ended up getting Company Flow opening slots for the Beastie Boys. So that's also, so it's sort of two different things. You know what I mean? But it's all very New York. It's very New York-y, you know? Hmm. And also, and it's funny, also, again, with my relationship with Will, I met him on the street, but also (laughs) I knew him, because I worked at a PR, I knew him another way from working at a PR company. So I guess the short answer is New York is a pretty small place. Um, okay, and, you know. But then, oh, I was going to say, but going go, going back to Will, just to just to finish up on that because I think you got And then, so so I started playing with some stuff, and and then the Super Bowl thing, and and why that's that, and why it has a kind of a different thing than everything else. I guess in this catalog, it's just is because of what the. The nature of that music is, which is that I do the music. You know, <laughs> um, so, he's, so
1: he's you're not contributing lyrics, or you do. Sing, no, although, you, oh, you oh, sing. Although, although
3: there are, there actually is a, at least one Super Bowl song where, where where we reversed it, where I sent him a lyric and and then he came up with the he came up with the chords and oh, melody.
1: Do you remember? Uh, which, do you remember which one that is?
3: Yeah, it's called "I Must Be Blind." But in general, just because you know, sort of how how we work. It started with Will, he, he just wrote me, he said, or, or, or he said, hey, I got this really big solo show in London, would you want to maybe play a few songs with me? Because we'd have this experience, at some point on tour, how do I tell this? some point, we ended up playing a couple of shows with an unrehearsed band, and it was clear that one of the members really didn't know the songs, and loved to play just loved playing <laughs> and, and so it sucked and so we but we didn't wanted to we did not want to diss the guys so it eventually came down to hey we have an idea we're just going to do a couple of songs where it's just me singing and matt playing guitar <laughs> um right, right and uh you know and that way that way that that way the whole band sat out and nobody's feelings were hurt you know and i remember it was in ireland i guess i think it, was, it, or, it actually. sounds was like, sorry don't don't it, go don't uh, don't quote me on places. Actually, my, my, my brain.
1: My yeah, I, I'm I'm a drummer, so my drummer uh-huh. my drummer antenna has gone up a little bit. Was it a drummer causing the problem? It wasn't. Oh, but, okay, good. Sorry, it's just a uh, but, drum, but, but, drummer drummer sensitivity.
3: It, it, <laughs> no, uh, but 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 that that's usually where it starts. You know? it, it does. Uh, um, that's why uh, I wondered. <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I talk about this a lot, but my grandmother was really into music, and she would always tell me how important accompanists are. And so, whenever I play her stuff, she'd be like, Well, yes, that's a good song. But why is there always this damn banging on top of all these songs that you listen to? <laughs> and then by the time I was in high school, I finally got it. I was like, Oh, right. I mean, she's really bright. Like, these drums don't need to be here. <laughs> like, and I imagine how how she heard all, all music, which is like, well, I guess these days people listen to songs and then there's this redundant <laughs> banging on top of it. It's really hilarious. It, it, it fundamentally changed the way I listen to music and made me really sense. It, it really did. Like, like, well, which also why Chavez, that's why Chavez has like big parts where there's no bass or yeah. even there's no drums oh, or man. whatever was. It's it's just the whole idea of, like, make it count, you know, Well, or or, or
1: don't play. I've been listening. Obviously, uh, the reissue of Gone Glimmering uh, uh, by Matador just came out relatively recently. And Mm -hmm. I was really astonished by that dynamic intent of, like, this is just going to be drums and guitar. Then the second guitar for a little bit. Then the bass. But then it's all gone again. That seemed that was a conscious thing in that band.
3: One thousand fucking percent. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because it was just like, well, why? You know, how do we make it sound interesting and and bring it before? And also, it's been done before. But like, weirdly, actually going back to stupid stuff, Kiss would do it a fair amount. Like, there's an amazing song called "King of the Nighttime World," and the just check that song out. It's really good, and they didn't even write it. Uh, I think Kim Fowley wrote it, but uh, but the arrangement is the thing. There's no bass in the whole until the until the first chorus, and it's fucking awesome. Or then, and even just dumb shit like. So one of the things with Chavez was, we, God, we're jumping around. Um, I'm jumping <laughs> sorry,
1: around. Uh, sorry, Matt.
3: I, uh, yeah, no, it's great. Okay. I, 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 that's how my mind works anyway. But, but one of the things about Chavez was, our, our point, or one of our points was like, you know, some of the 70s rock shit was really wild and radical. Some, some things that maybe might be perceived as maybe classic rock or whatever were a lot stranger and wilder and more kind of dark and spooky uh, and just cool. What and, and, and these are the kind of conversations that we'd have, and and I want to give a good example now of, of it. I just fucking had it in my mind. God damn it. Um. <laughs> oh man. Oh yeah. Well, okay. Well, here's an obvious one, and this is actually one that has never talked about. But like that song, Baba O'Reilly, which is like a Who's. It's a Who song by, by the Who. You know that,
1: of course, yeah.
3: Yeah, Teenage yeah. Wasteland. Yeah, the, of you know, Whatever that song. Yeah, dude. That's one of the strangest fucking songs. It is so. In it's. First of all, it's a Terry Riley ripoff. Right. You know, so it starts out with a Terry Riley pattern and then, which, which speeds up and slows down. Then there's piano. The, the guitar doesn't come in until like two minutes, which is like, you don't think about that, you know? And, and the three, bomb. Three, bomb, three, three chords. Is it three like,
1: chords? Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. Yeah. And dude, that doesn't
3: come in forever. That's and right. also, it's just, a, it's just a guitar and it's way, not big it's not big you know how in my mind in our mind that song is like it's like huge sounding right
1: well the, when you listen to it pete townsend we, you were talking about neil young who i often think when he's when he gets going i feel like neil young looks like his guitar sounds yeah and totally. and, and yeah. pete townsend with the windmills would make things seem if i'm correct yeah, so much bigger yeah, he, yeah he just totally. if you picture yeah. the the very famous televised the i think it's a, yeah, the just the various yeah. performances of that song that have been sort mm-hmm. of captured. He mm-hmm. just is losing his mind. He can't keep still. Yeah. And you're right. He in in a sense is barely doing anything. Um, yeah, and,
3: and it's just just like when you listen to it. And also like it's incredible. And when the drums come in, they start and then they 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 speed up and slow down really significantly. Yeah, like,
4: yeah.
3: and then the bass doesn't come in forever. You know, and <laughs> everything about that song is. Fucking weird, and then there's a fucking shitty gypsy violin solo. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and this is called classic rock. You know, it's like, it's like there's nothing classic about this. You know, this is weird. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and, and and like, and exciting, and and things are everything is very featured. Everything has its own lane. You know what I mean? And and so, in fact, Chavez never discussed that song, but that's a good example of, of like sort of to my mind, I think also the the Chavez guys like, yeah, let's like, like we could make it exciting, but still completely be within a rock idiom.
1: You know, you know what I'm reminded of is uh, the story about jaws. The movie jaws is, is the story is that the shark doesn't show up till like a third of the way through the film because it wasn't, it wasn't working. You were kind of aware that there was a shark and the whole story was about a shark, but you never saw the shark. I feel like certain aspects of music, when music started to get into post rock or progressive rock, whatever you want to call it, there was this sense mm. of like, let's build tension, let's build like oh, yeah. a little bit of anticipation and suspension. Like, I think that maybe is drawn. It's drama. It's a little bit of drama and theater. Full, really, full, yeah, yeah.
3: full on, full on, and that was a big thing with Clay, in particular with Chavez. Who talked about like he wants to have high drama riffs and stuff, and and like and Clay's thing was like he was he liked a, a few. Uh, like modern classical composers and so he would you know clay was interesting he he, in chavez he would only play through an amplifier he would only play loud electric rock guitar he wouldn't practice at home
0: Hmm. and this
3: is like one of the best guitar players i've ever played with but it's so wild how stylized and how conceptual clay was about his approach to guitar which was like he like, you know, learned it in high school, then he went to college and only listened to the Rolling Stones in college. For something like two years, he would only listen to the Rolling Stones. Huh. You know, and then then he starts this band La Volta. And I think that's when it started where he's like, when I play, I play through a martial amp in a, in a, in a rehearsal studio for the sake of coming up with a riff that's gonna kick you know, with some music that's gonna be amazing. Right. You know what I mean? Like really weird. So I've never heard him play anybody else's music ever. Not once. Huh? I've never heard him ever play a lick by anybody else. No.
1: You know? Are you still? And, so, what is the nature of that band at the moment? I feel like there was a, a reconvening in what three years ago, something like that. Four years. Well, oh yeah,
3: we did. We, we we did an EP with that. We were hoping to do a whole record. Our, our drummer just doesn't like to play music anymore. <laughs> this is the long the long short of it. Oh, okay. But, which is like. That's it, you know, and we love him. And it's like doesn't really make any sense to do Chavez music without the drummer, since drumming he's kind is of the, best the part drumming of the, is fantastic. He's the best part of the band. You know, yeah, well, don't like, sell yourself short, sure, but the drumming uh, no, is fantastic. I, I know, I know but, but, yeah. but still, well, I, but this is sort of even going back to the thing or or, or, or my idea of. Something that's good is like you really can't. It's just everybody's good, you know, like everybody. I believe everybody's working together, yeah, and, you know, and
1: like Sean I'm nah. working
3: off of each other, just
1: like Sean Anna. Nah. Yeah, just like Sean. Nah. <laughs> I believe in. Uh, but, but, I believe in bands. I really do believe in bands. Me and, too. and the people. Me too. Yeah, yeah. So me I,
3: too. Oh, so, so to go back to the Super Bowl thing. So so, and I guess that's something we'll haven't talked about, and Will certainly has amazing, does amazing work with with with, with like Emmett Kelly you know, um, he did the same thing with Emmett too, meaning like, here's some lyrics, make a song out of it, you know? Uh, but to go back, so he had this big gig in, in in England asked me to play and he said, want to do that thing that we did like, like we did in Ireland where, you know, it's just me and you playing. I was like, because really, it was really exciting when we did it. So, so so we we do this. So we don't, we can't play with this other guy because the guy's overplaying and we want the set to not suck. So we choose, a couple of songs we do them. And I, I really remember Will wasn't playing guitar and that was also a thing. So we wouldn't, wouldn't make the band feel, feel bad. It was like, Will's was like, I want to try this thing where I'm not playing guitar and I'm just playing to one instrument. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which was, which is totally not actually the case, but we just needed to do something. In order to not have the other guy play, sure. And, and by the way, the guy was awesome. It just wasn't working in the context of the you know, of, sounds, of whatever we were doing. Sounds
1: like, like practices you know. practices weren't able to happen or something, maybe or what, whatever. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. It's, it's exactly. That's yeah. literally what it was. So, yeah. so, so they, we didn't have any rehearsals. So, yeah. so, but it worked. And I remember it was really exciting just to see Will with no guitar on, just being a singer. I was like, whoa, this is sick, you know. And and so when he suggested that for this, he's like, you want to come over to London and do the show with me. We'll just do, we'll, we'll do like a a set within a set, you know, Uh of of me singing and you playing guitar. Okay, cool. And then he sends me an email that says, and and he's like, and you want to make up some songs with these lyrics and we'll do those songs. I was like, fuck, you know, uh, okay. (laughs) And, and those were the first Superwolf songs. And so we wrote, it was two or three songs and made a cassette of them and Will was singing at our friend's wedding in LA. So I, I remember I made the cassette. I think I, I think I mailed him the cassette and then I was like, yeah, we'll meet in LA and maybe we, it, what, it, like, let's meet in LA. and We'll go over the songs. And so I remember when we got to LA, he was like, dude, the shit rules. This is awesome. You know, like I'm really into this. So I was like, Oh, fucking cool. You know? So the songs only existed on this cassette and maybe the cassette got lost. Whatever it was, me and Will once again could not rehearse. Hmm. And all of a sudden we're playing this fucking huge show in London. It was big. It was like 2000 seat theater is what it felt like, you know? Yeah. And we don't have any time to re- like, we're like re- rehearsing in a hotel room, you know, like it was so like a dream and, and, or kind of like a an anxiety nightmare, you know, <laughs> like, like where I was like, I was like, we're playing this music, which is and like, these songs are good. And these songs are kind of like, you know, the, like I already knew that they that, that we were on to something, but they're fucking not easy to play and whatever. It's nerve wracking to play in front of two thousand motherfucking English people and you know whatever. And I remember actually, Lawrence from Domino was there. Like we we're backstage, like running over the songs, like okay, and like somebody's like, okay, you guys are on now, you know. <laughs> like, and then went out and did it, and, the, and it worked. Uh, but that was sort of the roots of it. Uh, that was that, that, was, that was the roots of the, of the thing. So, Will was like, "Let's do this again. Let, how about? How about, I'll send you songs, and or I'll send you lyrics. You make up the songs. We meet up, we rehearse that day, and then play them that night. You know, wow. <laughs> what, what, what was it? That's amazing. So, yeah. So, so then, so then we did it in Brooklyn with a few more songs, uh, and then we did it in New Orleans with a few more songs. That, and uh, that, that that order could be wrong, but but we did it. So, so there was three at least." I think that was it. So there were three separate, you know, times that we got to get that, that it was email, make a recording, send the recording that, but a very, very, very rough recording. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and then get together, tweak them, play them that night, you know? So that was the process for, for that album. And then, about five years ago, Will was like, hey, we should probably do another record, you know. <laughs> um, right. And so, but 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 also in between, occasionally he just sent me a lyric or if there's an idea. So, so obviously we're like best friends and shit. So, but there was a this 15 year gap between Super Bowl formal projects, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the way it works. But and that's why it's different. And, and, which is all to say, I'm a band guy too. And a band is, basi- is basically two or more, you know, to me makes a band. And this is my band with Will, you know what I mean? To me, the Superwolf is, you know, can't have one without the other. The whole idea is to make the other guy look good, (laughs) you know, Hmm. like this is the the band stuff, the the band thinking, you know, like, like when I'm in a band, every time I've been in a band, I'm like, fuck, I'm every one of these guys is awesome. Or, you know, or every one of these people is awesome. And I get to play with them. And it's all about us being this gang. Who can't? Nobody sounds like us together, you know. And like, yeah. I love all that shit. That's the fucking best, you know. And it's also totally impossible to do, <laughs> you know, beyond the ages of what you know, seventeen to twenty three. You yeah. know, like it's kind of the sweet spot to be able to do that. And and even then, that that implies that 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 you're privileged enough to have space and time to do it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, like bands are so. They're so special, you know, and they are real. Generally, the products of privilege, or products of an enormous amount of work and heart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's some combination of those two things. Like I'd say that the realest band on the planet that I can think of right now is like a band like Sun Blues. You oh know, my god! Dudes,
4: you know I, what I mean? I like, saw the,
1: like, I saw them. Uh, it's one of the. I guess And I must have been twenty nineteen. I saw them twice and mm. total mind blower like i and yeah. I, I love their record i love their records beforehand but to actually see them now you have been working with them is that correct
3: yeah do check the new album the, the if if you like them live check the new album it's it 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 it, it basically it was like the record that i that I, I produced it so I, I i we we made the record that they sh- should have made all along i think
1: <laughs> okay um, not to uh, not to but, disparage their previous records or eps no, i i think yeah, they're great yeah, yeah, i no, love them no, yeah. yeah i love all no, their but, music but also, so. yeah.
3: No, totally, and also I'm not. I don't even want to despise those records because they had to make those records to get to this point. Right, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, 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 like it, it. was very, you know, like that. That those records got them a shitload of attention, and and they were about working with famous people, and you know, the Blur guy and whoever, and you know, Iggy. Uh, Iggy's uh, on.
1: Iggy sings a song, yeah. Iggy Pop. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I,
3: I, I, yeah. Iggy's on there, and, and but that was about you know that had, a, again it's great that they got to this point where they could go in and make like a really gnarly, uh, live sounding record.
4: No, um, which is what this record
1: is. that's exciting. And they're the best. And when Iggy was on this yeah. show, when I talked to Iggy, he told me that he found out about them because he played them on his BBC show. And then mm-hmm. they just found out about each other. And that's how he ended up collaborating with them, which I just thought. Yeah, was... totally.
3: Yeah. No, dude, fucking Iggy's the coolest. Um, yeah, he just did it. Cause he thought it was cool, you know? And, but also, and, and I'm sure that it helped that, the narrative had to do with the blur guy you know like yeah yeah it's such an interesting story because it, it goes all the way back to this is the realest band in the world because these guys are actually fucked and they're refugees and they yeah. you know they had nothing but each other and you know and all that stuff that's all true you know mm-hmm. um but, but but then they get colonized in the, you know by the guy from right Blair right who, who has the balls the balls to go over to Africa to do a talent show? As far as I can tell, is that what you happened? Know, like, oh, I didn't know that. That's, I think so, isn't it? I, wasn't that? I mean, by the way, I love everybody. I love everybody and everything. But still, <laughs> it was like, <laughs> I, it, 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 it was, it was like, wait, let me get this straight. You're the guy from Blur. You go over to to Molly to decide who's good and, and do like a talent show, and then pull out the best ones. I think that's, and, and then, then, then they get to record, be record with your Western ass, you know, like,
1: that is, that is a new form of colonization for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. You
3: you know, but you know, you gotta be smart about this. It's like, yeah, fuck. Yeah. However, whatever it takes, you know, like, like for these guys. So, and, and that's all I mean by, by the records, you know, aesthetically, aesthetically these guys had to do what they had to do in order to, to get their message across, which meant, you know, signing to an English label. And, and, and of course these guys fucking, they're so psyched, you know, to, to, to to collaborate with people, you know,
1: we're heading down, we're heading down a road here where, and it's a, it's a whole other episode of this show probably, but we're heading down the mm -hmm. road of like, was Alan Lomax good? Was he actually a good person for, he was, uh, well, you know know what I I mean? Like, I'm just saying, I'm just trying to tie the two together. Like, yes what? that like, sucks get, with get, the blur-
3: get nathan salzberg get, do, an, do an episode with nathan salzberg <laughs> oh i'd love to have that i'd love yeah because yeah. he worked he worked for the lumax foundation and he, he he could he could give a great okay. answer to that please um, please
1: uh, please connect us matt i would love to do yeah. my, my
3: pleasure yeah it would yeah. be my pleasure um okay. uh
1: but but
3: but ultimately yeah th- th- these questions I, and i guess this is fun i was talking to somebody in new york who's like you know he's a cool guy and, he's, and he was kind of like, oh, you know, I like M.D. the not Songhoi Blues because one's realer than the other. And you're like, dude, please. Like, oh, my God. And if, and then if you're actually going to go and judge things by that, then Songhoi Blues are the best band that ever existed. you know Like, if you're going to sort of if you're gonna go by like what you think is, you know, like 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 what the individuals are and what their reasons for doing things are, what's credibility or whatever authenticity? I guess is the word. I'm yeah, looking for. yeah. Like, fucking, come on, you know. Uh, but but it, it, it's it's just it's interesting how I guess. song of blues are just an interesting band. I, I, I'm getting off the point, but they are an example to me of a band where they're fucking down for each other. They're so down for each other. You know, they really are. And I mean it, they really are. And there's other bands that that I love Uh, and particularly African bands. A lot of times they're not really, a lot of times bands are down for the music, you know, and there's, there's, there's an understanding that the, that, you know, that, that the music is the thing and we're going to play this music. But oftentimes there, I found sometimes, it was just musicians, I guess, which is like, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, but 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 it's all about me. Yeah <laughs> you know, yeah ultimately. yeah. No, I like. But something like song word, blues, it's so fucking cool how they work together and how they support each other as musicians and as an as a music and a musical entity. So something like with what I do with Will, it's really it's the same thing. It's like fucking. I think this guy fucking rules, and I think that I could bring something to it. It's like okay, so I have a guy who writes great lyrics and has this incredible voice. You know, like, so, and that allows me, that's a huge responsibility for me to come up with a fucking melody for, for this voice to sing and then come up with music that is going to hold, you know, that's, that's, that's going to make it fucking, you know, awesome. (laughs) I don't know. Like, 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 and it's, it's so great that I don't know. There's nobody else. And for some reason, Will's Will's lyrics and voice are such that I seem like I. It just makes me do. It, it, it somehow brings out writing in me that is that to my mind, is is stuff that I like to hear. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. It, it also it, it allows me. This is the other really great thing, and this is why I advise anybody who fucks with music is like just get a partner and have them just send you lyrics, and and you write the song. You know, like <laughs> try that. Because guess what? People used to do it all the time and it really works really well. You know, it, it allows me to get out of the way of myself, you know, and 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 come up with things that maybe if I thought I was going to have to sing them, I wouldn't. I don't know. You know, like for, for me, I'm a I'm, I'm I could be very neurotic and self editing, even as a fucking old person. I should be so far past this. You know what I mean? But, sure. but I'm, I still I still am not. So much, you know, that's why I don't do solo records. I just get annoyed with my, with myself (laughs) and just, I'm like, you know what? I just don't want to hear this, you know? So, and, and and I, and and I don't have the imagination for a listener who would want to hear this, but being able to work with Will, it's great. I'm like, I want everybody to hear this. You know what I mean? Like, like, like it gives me confidence and gives direction and also precludes my self-editing negativity or my self-editing negativity works towards a positive thing because it's like, I have to deliver this song eventually, Yeah, you know, so because Will fucking worked on it. I, you know, I, so.
1: I, I love the threads of talent and happenstance and friendship and authenticity mm-hmm. that we've been covering throughout mm-hmm. this conversation. Like, just, I think, and sort of the nature of the collective good. I feel like we started – Totally, man. I, I feel like yeah. that's all swimming around here, and I, I do appreciate – I appreciate that. Now, this is going to be a weird wrap-up question for you, Matt, because I yeah. I don't know how to keep track of everything you do. What is? Com- I don't either. <laughs> can you talk about what's coming up next for you per se? Is there anything you yeah. can talk about? Well, I mean,
3: yeah, I I, I will leave all, all all hellscapes to the side. <laughs> or, you know, sure. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. That, that yes, there's me, me, me and me and Will have have some exciting stuff coming up for sure that we've been working on and I'm remiss. I fucking hate it. Cause we're having such a fun conversation, but I'm remiss to uh, give like, it's such a big deal. Yeah. Me, me and Will have cured COVID, but I can't tell you anything about it. <laughs> um, uh, but, 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 uh, but, but yeah, we, we have, we've been working on, on, on a lot of stuff and we've been beating it in, into shape and, and, so 2020, there will be more music with me and Will coming out.
1: 2020, I safely get. 2021. Oh, you 2021.
3: Know. Oh my God. Yeah. Please, <laughs> please
1: don't jinx us. I don't want to read yeah. it this year. <laughs> Sorry, <dude. laughs>
3: um, uh, but yeah, yeah. So, so hellscapes aside, I'm looking forward to doing stuff with Will this year in 2021. And then what, I feel like it's fucking something else that i've been looking forward to coming out.
1: Well, you mentioned the Songhoy Blues thing, which is a production you're involved in and I Yeah, yeah, it's...
3: yeah. But, but that, that that record came out. I'm going to make another record with them. That, like like we we loved we loved that Let me see. Okay, I produced an album for Gar- Garcia Peoples that I, that turned out great. I have no idea where that's going to come out, but okay. that should come out this year. I'm going to make another record with Songhoy Blues. I'm going to going to make another record with uh, country westerns. This is just production stuff. Yeah. Not just production stuff, but this is production stuff. And then Superwolf stuff for sure. Um, I hope that, you know, me and Steve Malcolm, I've made a record. Steve Malcolm's made a record oh, yeah. where he kind of That's right. you, you, you Use me on that. And that, that all, you know, we had a lot of touring planned for 2020 that didn't happen. And so I'm imagining that there will be, we'll be doing some degree of stuff. What, Again, was, this is all the hellscape. He said, "Right, was this, hell, for, right. But, was this but, for the uh,
1: was this for the traditional techniques? Yeah, record. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. I remember yeah. seeing videos that you were going to be in that band. Yeah. That's great, Stevens. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Stevens as well. So that's oh, he's so great. Yeah, that's, have you had him on the show? He's been on a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, L- love Steven. Um, yeah, yeah, he's great. Yeah, yeah he's
4: great.
3: but uh, so you uh, know, and what
4: else?
3: <laughs> oh, uh, I did a thing." It's a really exciting recording with Iggy Pop. Really exciting. Oh, it's probably, awesome. And uh, it's just a song, but that'll be part of a bigger Velvet Underground related thing. Um, wow. That I have no idea what's going on with it, but I know that it's coming out at some point this year, and everybody will will, will hear about it. It's definitely not for me to, to break the news, but me and Iggy did it. It was that is fucking sick in this, my opinion uh, poten- <laughs> what, 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 what we did
1: potentially related to the documentary maybe
3: it's related to okay yeah. cool yeah um yeah
1: nice. um I'm looking forward to that
3: yeah me fucking too I'm dying <laughs> this you know I, 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 that, 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 that's why I'm sounding so weird about stuff it's like man this COVID shit man it's just really hard because I don't want to I don't want to I just
1: yeah you never know goalpost, what's actually going to happen right everything's
3: yeah. shifting around yeah. so much but yeah. And it's really frustrating, as you can imagine. I'm sure it's been frustrating for you too, yeah. Uh, for no, everybody, it's, but it's uh, you know. it's
1: been horrible uh, and sad and all those things. Mm-hmm. But there's also been mm-hmm. the great gift of time for some of us, like as a parent, sure. I'm not rushing around as much between my work and my, you know, feeding children and and being with them and all that stuff. So yeah, there's there's little gifts in it, and uh, trying to yeah. trying to contemplate, or rather focus my energy on celebrating the time we have uh we've kind of gotten back a little bit and so we'll see what happens when things are a bit more normal because there's aspects of normal normal that i don't want to return to and i know fucking a dude right right that's the thing it's like shit, shit was sucking so
3: hard in many ways so like so i do have some hope for for you know, things being different in a in a in a cooler way for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and you know, like yeah, so I was saying it was like, man, all these venues are closing. I was like, ah, oh, most of them sucked anyway. <laughs> That's a terrible <laughs> thing. It's so bad to say because I, I, I can't even speak to the things that that, that we've lost because I can't speak to it. It's just it's it's too devastating. But on the other hand. There's a lot of whack venues. There's a lot of bullshit going on. Absolutely,
1: there. yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, and so and I'm, like, I'm not begrudging the ones that did a great job and treated people yeah. well, but some yeah, of yeah. it, some oh. of it did need to go somehow. And uh, hell yeah, or or, totally. or at least be reminded that we can function without them or something. I don't know. There's just yeah, man. There's something going on there that again, uh, I don't want to disparage anyone because it's hard for all of us. And, and yes, and I yes. do, I do miss going to see a show and hopefully Matt Sweeney's on stage in front of me as opposed to on some sort of screen, you know, like I, oh, gosh. I, I want I that. Know. I do want that stuff back. I'm just, anyway. Me too. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I hear that. Okay. So, so Matt, if people want to keep tabs on you and your happenings and doings via internet stuff or what have you, where would you like to send them per se?
3: Go to the, go, go to, uh, keep your eyes on the superwolves.com or whatever knows these superwolves that on the Instagrams. Yes. Keep an eye on uh, uh, that's T H superwolves. And you know, I'm, I'm the, I'm the heavy jams with a Z. Yeah. Yeah. I just on you know, just go on, uh, on the, on the Instagrams. That's sort of, that's where I hang out and, and kind of, low-key promote my shit uh, <laughs> uh yeah yeah that that, that that that's the best way to know okay
1: on. okay yeah. now uh given that we've talked about so many things and so many collaborations here normally Ooh. on the show we go out on a song and i actually wondered if you might want to choose something that you and will did because there have been some recent um singles and this thing that Will's doing with Bill Callahan is quite incredible, but is there something that you mm-hmm. you appeared on recently that we can maybe play for people?
3: Yeah, dude, play Make Worry For Me. Uh, we put it out as a single in a video a couple of weeks ago on Drag City. It's called "It's, it's Super Wolves, or I don't know, what, it's Matt Sweeney, Bonnie Prince Billy, yeah. at Super Wolves, and the song is called Make Worry For Me, and we recorded it. Uh on Valentine's Day of twenty twenty in Nashville uh with Pete Townsend on drums. That's the real Pete Townsend, not the English one. Um <laughs> uh and uh
1: The other the English uh, one is a, I mean, the English one is a figment of our imagination he's just he's
3: an Yeah, a- a- uh, windmilling. The, the real one is... <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're, yeah yeah I don't know who that guy. Is. Uh, uh, what did I say about Bob whatever. Um uh, uh but but uh yeah Pete Townsend, who played drums on the first Superwolf record is a, is a is a guy that we love and a musician that we love is on drums and then I'm playing everything else. I'm just trying to think of some other interesting things I could say about it. But okay. Uh oh, let me see. It was recorded at in Nashville at our favorite studio which is no longer there which is a studio called the Butcher Shop huh. which is which which had some high profile Love from Sturgill Simpson because he made his that that big record that he did called the Butcher Shop Sessions. Okay, uh, okay. but it, it's it was a really really cool studio, and I think that 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 song make Worry for me is a, in some ways also sort of is a loving example of how fucking cool that studio sounds. It's so, a gorgeous recording.
1: So, yeah. We I was playing, I was playing it in the living room for my family. Uh, yesterday, oh, cool. yesterday, as a matter of fact, and my wife, oh shit, in particular, uh, thought it was is quite lovely. So, and it is, oh, cool, it is available via Drag City, as you say. So let's, yeah, let's go, out yeah. let's go out on that, on on that. Then this is Matt Sweeney and Bonnie Prince Billy with "Make Worry for Me." Uh, Matt, this was a, a tremendous pleasure. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Thank you for the time and best of luck with everything. Thank going you. Forward.
3: Yeah, so lovely talking to you, man. Really, really I, I, I appreciate it. Really, very, very nice. Uh, and makes me feel not crazy so it's good to talk to you (laughs)
0: Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.
3: Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com
1: Thanks again to Matt Sweeney for appearing on this, the 591st episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network. And uh, is available wherever it is that you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you've heard about, you're looking for it and you can't find it, or if you want to learn more about me, sign up for my uh, monthly newsletter. Please visit my website, vishkana.com. Everything you need to know about this show and and s- some things about me are all it's all it's all there. vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook or follow the show on Twitter at Vish Creative or Uh, Follow me directly at Vishkana. Uh, You can also follow me on Instagram at Vishkana as well if you'd like. I'm on there doing stuff sometimes. Also visit patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly donation uh, to sustain this podcast. Uh, $6 or more a month grants you access to exclusive content. And if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt... Uh, please message me on Patreon, and I will get you an, get I'll get you a T-shirt while supplies last. I still have some, so yeah, six dollars or more. But again, you can uh, whatever it is you can afford, uh, and you can always change it. If you start it at six and you want to go down to four or three or two or one or zero, I mean, really, you have all the options in the world. You can also go up. You start at six, you go to ten. Why not? If you like the show, whatever you want to do, Patreon.com/slash Creative Control. Thanks again to Live at MasseyHall.com, where you can watch beautifully captured concerts by great Canadian artists, and also to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton for their in-kind support for this show. Uh, Thanks, too, to uh, Jim Guthrie for letting me use uh, the instrumental version of his song, The Rest is Yet to Come, to end this show every week. You can hear it right now, faintly. I'll, I'll raise it later I'll fade it up so you can hear a bit more of it uh, you can learn more about Jim and all of his work uh, at jimguthrie.org and finally thank you for listening to this episode with Matt Sweeney and for subscribing to this podcast and asking your friends to do the same uh, anything you can do to spread the word about the show is uh, meaningful and helpful so thank you and I will talk to you very soon bye for now